It's been the best run of strawberries we've ever had, and I hate to see it come to an end. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of May the 30th, 2013. The weather is heating up, and when the weather heats up, strawberry season sadly comes to an end. I know. It's just... Hard to believe that uh, we've had such a good harvest, though, because last year I sort of became accustomed to the idea that I would never grow anything but little tiny strawberries. Yes, they're sweet, but they were tiny. But boy, did we do great this year. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about what we did last year, how we approached strawberries. Um, We planted a single row of, uh, did we start with plants? We started with plants. Um, We did have a few that, you know, there were daughter plants that came over from, you know, the year before, but most of those were planted in the fall or winter and or even that spring. That's the only approach I've used in the past, which is to plant a plant in a, and I guess what you'd call a matted row configuration, that is not planning to do any mulch that would prevent the daughter plants from attaching so that you have basically a perennial type situation. But um, the weeds took over. It it just got to be so hard to keep it up that um, I decided I was going to try something different. And something different turned out to be a nice approach using our raised bed. Uh, Let's see what number it would be. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Must have been row ten, a bed ten that um, you filled completely with plugs that we bought from Oakview Farms Granary in the fall. And I think that was probably an important part of the mix. You planted these, what, October October. or so? That's when uh, Joe Lambrecht uh, gets his order. And um, last year I got lucky because he had ordered too many. He had some left over and wanted to... um, sell them, make them available to the public. I've forgotten whether it was 12 or $15 for a flat of 50 plugs, but whichever it was, 12 or 15 it was a bargain. So I drove over there one fall afternoon, came home, put them out within a, a week or two anyway, um, and um, did not mulch them, did not use plastic mulch. I really had thought about doing that originally, but time went by, the, the plants got big, and what I did actually was use, um, oh gosh, leaf guard, weed guard, weed the brown paper yeah, weed guard. And I was thinking you put that down when you first planted I did. them. I did do that when I first planted them. And Unfortunately, we, we didn't weigh it down. So. Right, we didn't weigh it down, and I may have mentioned this on a previous podcast, but one afternoon after a windy uh, storm, I looked out and half the mulch was gone. What we should have done is as soon as we planted those plugs and had the weed guard in place, we should have gone ahead and put some hay on top of the weed guard. So we've learned our lesson. Learned my lesson about that. But I later did come back and the part, the half of the bed that already had the weed guard on there 
no problems. I just put hay on top of that. Uh, the back half, I did not add any new weed guard. I just put hay, a nice thick bed of hay. And it seems to have worked fairly well right. to keep the weeds under it control. Has. We just haven't had a big mm -hmm. problem with weeds I've, and I've, strawberries Well, this I've year. seen a few, and every now and then if I see one poking up through the hay, I pull it. I don't let it get big, and it's been, been very much under control. So I think I have found the approach I want to use in the future, which is put in the plugs in the fall. And by the way, <clears throat> of course, our winters are not cold, but I didn't have any damage from frost or cold weather. They did just fine. And I suspect that if I had a, a, a late frost next year, I probably would go out and cover them. I think one night we did cover them. There was one night. That oh, I went out we? covered with a sheet. Okay. Yeah, but other than that... <clears throat> Probably you know, would have been fine even if we hadn't done yeah, that. Yeah, but I do know that they are vulnerable if they've started to set their buds. True. Once they begin to bloom, <clears throat> yeah. then we do have to take better care of them. I was thinking that uh, what <clears throat> you were describing is when the just when you just have a green plant. Oh, no, 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 no. And the green plant is sort of like a brassica. It just... It does power through yeah. cold weather. It's the and so uh, forth. it's when they're a late frost that you really have to worry about. But I would do the same thing again next year, and um, we can talk about that when time comes and I end up planting them next year. Um, how many? But we actually thought about plant, planting twice as many next time. <laughs> so let's talk about the crop. Um, we calculate that we've been getting a daily harvest of strawberries, and it is a high-maintenance kind of thing. You're, it's not where you get one big crop and you're done. you got to be there pretty much every day to get the choicest yes. berries. Yes. And we've been here, so we've enjoyed it just about every day for about six weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the only problems we've had have been from some varmint that does eat some of the strawberries and damage them. But it has not kept us from enjoying them. We have not had enough of critter damage to, to interfere seriously with no. what we're able to enjoy. However, even though, you know, even with 50 plants mm -hmm. and an entire raised bed that's 16 feet long by 4 feet wide, we've had a good crop and it's been great for eating, but we did not have enough for jam. Right. I, I made this feeble attempt um, a couple of weeks ago to make strawberry jam, and I actually ended up having to supplement the strawberries with some store-bought grapes just to have enough to make it worth the trouble. And I put that all together, and it was pretty unsatisfactory because I didn't use any pectin, and it ended up, you know, we haven't tasted it yet. I'm sure it'll be fine. It just It's not going to be set like normally jam would be. But it um, looks pretty good, and you didn't add any sugar, so didn't it's add any sugar guiltless. to it. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, that brings us to last week's adventure. Um, we have we follow uh, Oakview Farms on Facebook, and Joe's been talking about the fact that they had strawberry you pick. So Friday morning of last week, we um, went together to pick strawberries at Oakview Farms and came back with three one-gallon baskets full, uh, for which we paid about $30. Yeah, and and let's comment about those strawberries. They were beautiful. Uh, we had feared that at this late in the season that we might not find what we needed or <clears throat> they might be picked over. That was not the case. There were plenty of nice berries. Um, 
they use black plastic. They have a plastic culture um, way of, of growing these. And um, they are concerned when the weather gets hot about the effect of that black plastic on the berries. They, I'm sure they hasten the ripening. And, As well they should and be. And we could tell. You could tell As the bat. you and I were picking. Yeah. We were able to tell that those berries that come in, you know, that actually touch the black plastic are likely to be rotten. Yeah, they just get burned, really. So I'm sure when the spring is early and you want an early crop of strawberries, the black plastic actually works in your favor because you get that soil warmed up and you get some warmth so they'll ripen. But as it starts to get hotter, that's a factor. And so as we've mentioned, the way that we grow them, I haven't felt the need for black plastic. Of course, I'm not growing acres and acres the way they are. You know, they have strawberry fields with all paying homage to the beetles. You strawberry know, Strawberry fields. That's right. Forever. They have strawberry fields. I have a, a strawberry bed out there so I can get by with a little weed guard and, and hay. And, and you and I are not interested in getting into plastic culture, period. We don't expect to be able to get black plastic. Um, that's just one of those things that we don't want to get adjusted. You know, we don't want to get hooked on it. So, and you know, I can, they use they're planting in ground using equipment that is designed to spread that black plastic behind a tractor. And um, and we've seen demonstrations of that type of planting. And if you're doing it on a large scale, it makes a lot of sense. But we're not, so uh, we're not doing it that way. But anyway, back to our picking. Um, we did have a good day that day. Found plenty of nice berries and brought them home. And now I turn it over to you because other than helping you locate the equipment and help clean it up, the <laughs> jars and all, I had so many other projects going on on Friday that basically the jam production was a one-man show. <laughs> and I spent the better part of the rest of the day uh, working on the jam, but we finally got it done. Um what we did is I first started out cutting up the strawberries by hand, um, knowing I was going to be cooking them. That turned out to be unnecessary, and I figured out about midway through the process, all I needed to do by hand was to cut the tops off. So I ended up with some, some whole berries, and then I put the whole berries in the uh, food processor and used the slicer attachment of the food processor to slice up the berries that made them nice and small so that they cooked nicely. I left them on low and made ran some errands in town and so they probably stayed cooking on low for 45 minutes or an hour and at one point I ended up we had a little diversion in town, and I called you to say, you know, I'm still stuck in town. Please turn the the eyes off on the stove, and you did. Um, but when I got back after they had been on low for all that time, they were nicely cooked down, and I was able to combine the two pots into one big pot, and. Um, then we got the jars and the bands and the lids ready. We always boil our lids and avoid touching anything that's going to be in contact with the food. And, and while we're talking lids, can I interrupt for a minute to sure. talk about an important lesson that we learned? Uh, we learned that you should not take 
jar lids from last year and put them in a plastic bag and fail to mark whether they've been used or not. Good point. <laughs> we spent about 30 minutes online trying to research. How can you tell? Because there were about 15 lids, and I thought, I don't want to throw these away. If, but, but they, and they looked new, but what we, we, we spent some time researching whether or not, you know, we knew not to use them. I mean, if there's any chance they're used, um, and, and as a matter of fact, I ended up throwing them away because I, I decided they looked used given this criterion that they're, if it's a brand new lid, if you look at the underside with that sort of gummy part that's around the uh, periphery, there should be no ridge in that. Um, if it's Now, if it comes, you know, when you buy a brand new mason jar, and it, it, the lid's attached to it, screwed on. It may have a slight indentation or something, but there's a definite, and that's okay. But if you're in doubt about whether or not you used a lid, um, and there's some more elaborate ways you can just Google it, you can find out that you can determine. But uh, the easy thing to do is to simply mark on whatever container you put the lids in, new or used. So <laughs> lesson or, learned. Now, what I suggested is, don't ever store a used lid. It just yeah, that and, would simplify it. Yeah. And we we don't ever reuse lids on purpose, so I can't imagine why we would ever store a used lid in the first place. Oh, I but, know why I stored them. I know exactly because we have that good supply of jars, and just in case we have some leftover soup, and somebody's at the house visiting, and I just want to send them home with a jar of something, then. I've got a, a steady supply of jars out there, and I don't mind reusing a lid just for storage okay. like that. And I do, and here, here is why. Jars and bands mm. are expensive. Don't send somebody home with a jar and band unless it's actually canned fresh, unless and, we canned it. Right. If you're sending somebody home with some leftovers, use one of those no-name Tupperware plastic containers that you insist on keeping Right. And let's not give away our nice jars and bands because they are expensive. Um, the lids are not as cheap as we would like for them to be. I think, you know, we may pay 10 or 15 cents a lid. So it's not no cost, but that is the least expensive part of the yeah, canning system. Yeah. So we got that sorted out, and now you need to continue with your story. I interrupted about the lids, but you talked no about problem. getting everything No problem. So together. I ladled that mixture into the jars and picked mm. up the lids with a magnetic wand and put them in place and uh, put them in the water bath canner. Strawberries are nice and acidic, so they did not need to be pressure canned. And uh, interestingly, we ran out of room in our All-American 930 canner. <laughs> That's the first time we've ever had more than we could process at one time. And, and you might tell exactly how many jars we're, uh, you're talking about. How many did we have? Mm -hmm. I think we ended up with... 31, uh, I thought you... 31 half pints. The equivalent of 31 half pints because... I think we had 10 mm. pints, maybe, and so 11 and a half, half pints. pints, right. Yeah. But it was a lot of jam. And then we ended up with a jar and a half that would not fit into the canner, and we just put them in the refrigerator. And, and that's what we're eating first. And that's what we're eating first, right. That makes sense. And it tastes fabulous. We really enjoyed it. It's, you did put pectin in at this time, but... It still isn't real congealed. 
it's a little. It's kind of loose. loose. That's right. Which is fine to put it on your toast. Just pee, and you, and you want to put a pretty good bit of it. It doesn't have any sugar in it. A good point. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are using really really sweet jelly or jam, the kind we buy in the grocery store, you tend to spread it kind of thin. But our kind of jam doesn't have added sweetener. And as a result, you sort of want to ladle it on. And what I've described it, it's more of a compote than it is a jam. Yeah, I think that's a good term for it. Yeah, in fact, we put some on ice cream the other night. It was really good. It's a dessert to die for. We used some of your delicious homemade pound cake and some frozen yogurt and uh, some of that strawberry jam, and it was really good. So that was it. Does double duty, breakfast or dessert. Um, but let's talk before we leave about what we'll do next year, which is basically the same thing. I'll get my plugs from Joe Lambrecht. I'll put them out in October, and I will. Um, the The main difference is I will number one order twice as many. That's the plan right now. Because you are planning to plant two, two full bed, beds. Two full beds. And secondly, I will be much better with my mulch. I'll put the. I am going to use the weed guard again. That that. Um, way of, of putting them in was just super easy because I just laid the rolled it out and cut around them and put the installed the plant. But then I'll go ahead and put my hay down so that um, it won't blow away. And then normally we don't need to irrigate during the winter because we get lots of rain during the winter. But we'll start irrigating when the rains die off in the springtime. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah we'll make sure they're kept moist enough and. Uh, then hope for the best. Hope that we have as good a crop as we did this year. So that's a little bit about strawberries and how they're working for us. It's a mostly good news. We've had a lot of fun with our strawberries this year. Well, you have a good week, and we will look forward to visiting with you soon. Take care. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.